Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 138. Today my guest is George Burkaw of Burkaw Insurance Group and I got George on here because I know enough about uh, about uh, crop insurance to know that I don't know anything. So I wanted to get George on to talk about the stuff, and we've got a lot of stuff going on right now in the marketplace that has to do with prevent plant, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of confusion out there of what that is and what and how that affects everything. So, George, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. So, <clears throat> kind of like I told you earlier when we got started, I said I know about as much about crop insurance as I do nuclear fission. So, um, you know, neither one I know much about. So. This is going to be as much education for me as it is anybody else listening to this program. So before we get started, though, George, I want to give a little bre- uh, background on yourself and, and how long you've been in the uh, crop insurance business. Uh, well, uh, I'm located over in uh, southern Indiana. Uh, I operate. Uh, I've got uh, clients uh, in four states, uh, Indiana, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and Illinois. Um, so I cover a good portion of the Eastern Corn Belt. Um, and, uh, most of the growers I'm fortunate to work with are pretty progressive. So they're pretty good sized growers. Um, and they understand the, the need for, uh, crop insurance and marketing to work together. Um, I think that's the, the, the big unknown of, of crop insurance. I think, uh, folks think you need to have it to keep your banker happy, uh, which you do. But uh, I think the bigger um, key to this is that uh, crop insurance is a tool, just like uh, your grain bins are a tool, um, so that you can utilize um, um, the insurance to help you market better, um, especially where a lot of guys are uh, waiting until uh, harvest to let the market take where they will. Uh, crop insurance allows you to uh, uh, go ahead and, and uh, um, forward contract grain and even before everybody knew that. Okay. So I know it's uh there's there's several several dates that that are important in in this crop insurance um discussion that we have especially when it comes to corn every crop has a has a date um that that is out there right now that is going to have an effect on whether it's insurable or not. So we we've hit some of those uh some of those time frames here with with corn because of um, the rain situation and, and different things that are happening out there. But, you know, prevent plant now is dominating the landscape. When we start talking about what we see in the news and, and what we hear from, from everyone around us. So I think that's probably the best place to start in this conversation that we're having today is, is uh, what is prevent plant and, and what does that mean and how does it work? So by definition, Prevent planting is uh, the failure to plant a insured crop uh, with proper equipment by the final planting date or during the late plant period. So you hit on um, 
the the final plant dates uh, that are have either passed or are are approaching. So you've got um, you know a, a bulk of the western corn belt. So I'm talking uh, Nebraska, um, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, northern Minnesota. Uh, their final plant date is May 25th for corn. Uh, you've got May 31st, uh, that'll hit the rest of Minnesota, a good portion of uh, Wisconsin and Iowa, as well as Kentucky uh, and parts of Missouri. So at that point, um, and then the remaining dates, uh, that's June 5th for uh, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Michigan, and Ohio. Um, so what happens at the final plant date, that doesn't mean you you can't plant anything after that because um, uh, that on, on the final plant date. So let's take, uh, we'll talk uh, in Eastern Corn Belt terms here, uh, June 5th um, for a, a lot of my clients. Um, so and when June 5th occurs, um, they can, they've got really two choices at that point. Um, they can go into the, the clients can say, Hey, I'm done planning. Uh, the weather forecast is bad. Uh, for the foreseeable future, and I can't get anything in the ground even if I wanted to. Um, so at that point, they can file a uh, prevent plant claim. Uh, you have 72 hours um, after uh, your final plant date to file that claim. Uh, so my suggestion to anybody that's listening would be um, to go ahead and even if they expect to continue planning after that final plant date, to go ahead and file that claim um, on all, all potential acres. And then as they continue to plant, um, and the adjuster comes to visit, um, and they can then withdraw acres, any acres that have been planted. Um, so at that point, uh, after the final plant date, they can take prevent plant and not have to do another thing. Um, or they can go forward and continue to plant into the late plant period. The, um, I guess the, downfall of planting in a late plant period is that it goes on for 25 days after your final plant date. And then for every day that you're in that late planting period, you lose 1% of your coverage per day. So in the case of um, if you're a grower that has 85% coverage and uh, June 5th, it is the final plant date and you decide to plant on um, you know June 10th, then you're already down from 85% to 80% coverage. Um, so and that continues all the way until you get to uh, the, in this case, the 25 days of the late plant period, um, in, in which then you get down to 50% coverage. Um, so that's as low as you're going to get. Okay. So, so and then of course beans have a, a different final plant date, and we have not approached that yet. Um, and in our case of uh, the Eastern Corn Belt, that date would be June 20th, uh, and it's a little earlier for those other for the other areas so i think you're talking june 10th june 15th and then like i said june 20th um for for my area gotcha gotcha okay so but that's not that far away right the 10th to 15th that's two three weeks away and uh yeah no no not at all <clears throat> okay so we'll, so here like you said okay we're two weeks away we're uh we're kind of working our way into this into these uh kind of drop dead dates i guess for lack of a better term as a crop insurance agent and you're and you're talking to your clients and you're talking to people that you work with when when do you start making that decision i mean right now you I mean you, the way things are right now with the technology and planners and so on and so forth they can plan a lot of stuff pretty quick if it gets dried up but 
to your point earlier, you know, where you lose the 1% a day thing, if you if you buy 85% coverage with your um, for insurance and then you lose 5%, I guess how does that work and, and what does that look like and, and how, how does those conversations start being had? I mean, where does that, I guess in your professional opinion, when do those kind of, you know, X and Y axis start to cross and it starts to make sense to, to look at maybe planting some late stuff. So I, I guess a couple of things about prevent plant um, to on um, corn, um, the payment would be 55% of your guarantee. Um, so that would be uh, if you, again, if you took 85% coverage, uh, that would be 85% um, times your APH, your, um, uh, your uh, uh, um, actual production history for, for the crop. And so uh, um, then it would be times $4, which is the spring price. And for prevent, for prevent plant, the spring price is all we can use. Whereas on your regular multi-parallel coverage, you can use the either the spring price or the harvest price, whichever is higher. So in this case, let's just look at um, a, a situation where um, you, uh, your APH is 200 bushels an acre. So it'd be 200 times $4 times the 85% coverage. So your revenue guarantee would be $680 per acre. Uh, but your prevent plant payment would be at 680 uh, times 55% or $374 an acre. Now there are a couple of, there's a, there's a buy up on, on uh, uh, corn and give you an extra 5%. So if your, your policy has a, a PF on it uh, and your agent was uh, forward thinking enough to do that, that would go up to a 60% prevent plant payment as opposed to a, a 55%. Um, and then if you decide that, um, hey, I, I, uh, I, I want to plant beans, uh, following that, that first crop, that prevent, that preventing crop, if, if you have that double crop eligibility, then that will take that payment down from 55% to 35%. Um, so then and then you would have to ensure that that second crop, that bean crop as well. Um, that also reduces the premium on your first on that on that corn uh, insurance payment down to thirty five percent of that premium as well. So there's you lose a little bit on that side, but then you have the eligibility to plant beans. Um, as far as uh, looking at uh, calculations, and that's what I've been doing for probably the past two weeks is running calculations for my clients on uh, what prevent plant payments look like, um, what, uh, what, what it would look like if they came back in with uh, a second crop behind it, um, and, and what kind of uh, um, agronomic uh, sense does it make to plant later into uh, maybe that late plant period. Uh, as corn has continued to climb, uh, when you know, we're talking about that uh, 450 mark right now. They could close at 452 today. Uh, so as we get into that 450 mark, it makes it a lot more palatable to plant in the late plant period. Um, we are talking about a potential maybe 10 million acres of uh, acres that will be prevented from planting. Uh, quite a few. Um, um, and again, as we come up to these these drop dead dates, uh, there are quite a few acres that are still left to be planted. So I think uh, um, that. 
will have, uh, I guess, more play in the market and in, in, in enticing growers to continue to plant into that late plant period. Um, a lot of times, uh, again, from an agronomic standpoint, um, for, for my area, um, that June 10th time frame is where it uh, starts to get you know a little fuzzy about making sense. Um, there are a couple of good sites um, that have extensive calculators. Um, I know the Farm Doc Daily uh, site over at the University of Illinois the Extension has a, a good calculator. So does um, the Extension at Iowa State. Uh, I think that address is extension.iastate.edu. Um, and then uh, more recently, uh, Purdue uh, Extension put out a webinar. I think it was on May 23rd that goes over um, the uh, not only the the crop insurance considerations, but the agronomic management uh, considerations of uh, prevent plant as well. Um, so those are three good sites that will, will, I guess, help give you some additional information um, about making making good decisions based on dollars and cents. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about, okay, so if, there, if you don't have the opportunity to even go back and double crop beans or something like that back into that those corn acres because of of it being wet or whatever that that stopped you from doing that let's just talk about this the places where there's two feet of water standing in the fields I mean, how does that work how, how does that that prevent obviously there's a prevent plant scenario there but you don't even have a chance to go plant anything else so how does that work so, so then you would take that that fifty five percent payment that we talked about on the corn. So it would it would work off uh, again off your your APH or that history for uh, that particular unit or section, and and then and then what you would need to do is essentially um, have documentation that uh, you intended to plant corn on those acres. And so documentation would be uh, seed receipts, uh, fertilizer uh, receipts. Um, and then, and then, of course, your, your previous history as well. And you would need to also report those prevented acres to your FSA office. Um, and I've had some experience in the past uh, where um, it's prevent planning is supposed to be um, um, similar to um, activities in, in the county. So um, typically, you couldn't be the only uh, producer that claimed prevent plant in an area. Um, so that that's where uh, that documentation comes in handy. Um, I know that you've, you know, that there are areas that, that have uh, several acres that are underwater, but there are also some, some areas that you may be the largest grower in that county and you can't get all your acres planted. Um, well, that's where uh, the meeting minutes from those uh, county committee meetings that go on on FSA come in handy uh, because Again, you may be the have the largest amount of acres and just couldn't get to them because well it was just too wet, and and that those county committee meeting minutes uh, will go forward into helping plead your case um, on on prevent planning because it's it's not a given. Um, there are still um, ways that you can um, fall out of eligibility for prevent plan. Um, the first one being that uh, in the last four years what's your highest number of acres planted. Um, that's, that's the number one key. And if you uh, go out and try to pick up additional acres because you think, hey, uh, this prevent planting stuff sounds like it's a piece of cake, then uh, that, that may not be the case if you go over your eligible acres. Um, 
and then the the second would be uh, proving that you had enough seed, enough fertilizer uh, out there to, uh, to to plant those intended acres. Um, and then as you move forward, um, if you decide you know, to put in a cover crop, um, you can't hay or graze um, that cover crop until November 1st. So if you if there's any proof that you did beforehand, um, didn't you either planted another crop that wasn't insured um, and harvested that or harvested a hay crop or grazed that that prevent plant acres before November 1st, then you could uh, void your your prevent payment. Hey, tremendous amount of rules. So uh, my suggestion for for uh, the folks listening would be to. Uh, contact their crop insurance agent, especially again, as you get to your final plant date, uh, because you only have that 72 hour window in which to report those, uh, prevent plant acres. Yeah. Okay. So uh, prevent plant, you know, we're, we're, I think you said there's 10 million acres. I've heard 7 million. I've heard, you know, 11 million. I've heard all just large number of acres that are going to not get planted this year. Which also, and then we've got the tariff thing going on and everything else that's there. So, but there's a tariff payment that's coming out too. So, how does that work with with crop insurance and this prevent plant thing? So the the, the tariff payment is the, the rules are still pretty vague um, because they haven't been. Uh, I guess the full details haven't been released yet. Um, however, um, I, I note that there's a uh, farm progress uh, on their website. They have an interactive map that um, estimates uh, these MSP uh, per county. So you can get an idea on what that looks like. And I think um, these payments are done by crop. Um, uh, So uh, what we're looking at as an average is somewhere around uh, $47 per acre uh, nationally. But if you're in areas that are heavy corn, those payments end up uh, lowering a bit uh, to somewhere around like $25 a, an acre. And of course, there's a limit on those payments of $125,000 um, per entity. Um, so the, again, the, uh, it and those come in three uh, three payments. I think the first one is supposed to occur somewhere around the end of July or early August based upon um, the acreage reporting that goes on to uh, with the FSA offices. Um, then the next payments are supposed to be in that November window and then um, in uh, January 2020. Um, now, the conditions of those payments being out there will be um, if, if we still have a, a tariff situation in place. So it, it's likely that uh, we can have something resolved by the end of the year. So maybe you get uh, you know, that lie payment but you don't end up getting maybe the November or January payment, or maybe you get the, you know, July and, and November payment, but not, not the January payment. Um, with that said, um, I would not base decisions, uh, you know, with thoughts that you're going to get uh, some sort of payment um, because these in the past have been based on planted acres and based on bushels. And so uh, with, with any kind of uh, prevent plant that's out there, um, it would be unlikely that you would see a payment. Now, there's uh, there are some discussions within the Senate right now about um, uh, flooded acres. Um, and so those acres in Iowa and Nebraska that were impacted by the heavy flooding earlier in the spring, 
and, uh, and, and payments, disaster payments based on that. And so it's still unclear at the moment whether or not those, those types of payments um, would move forward to other areas other than that, uh, that heavy Midwest area that was hit. Um, but those would, those kind of payments would take into place, um, both, um, um, uh, I guess your planted acres and your prevent acres. Um, so there it's, but it's still unclear and that stuff's still up in the air and it seems likely to get caught up in the, in the house of whether or not, uh, with all the politics going on, whether or not those payments will get, uh, will get pushed forward, those disaster payments as we as we see them now yeah that's that's been a big it's been a big deal there it just seems like there's more just stonewalling than there's anything going on right now when it comes to politics i guess it's kind of getting old um what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen folks make some maybe i don't know like lack of uh information basically and they're making decisions on something or some confusion they see somewhere what what are some mistakes you see happen right now that that could have been maybe more easily recognized or or taken care of it in a different way um, by just simply doing something different? Like what 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 do you see out there right now? Well, I think there there are quite a few. I mean, as you noted, this is pretty complicated. Um, I think for, first off, it's just it, making the assumption that the prevent plant payment is going to be, uh, I guess, easy to, uh, to, to obtain. And it's not easy. Uh, I think the, the government has the viewpoint that, uh, um, they, they don't like paying growers, uh, to, to not plant acres. Um, so that's why I guess they put in all these additional rules. Uh, and these rules have continued to change over time. Um, and they change very drastically between from year to year. Um, so predominantly one of the major issues I see is that growers think that they're going to get, uh, 55% of their, um, of their APH as opposed to, uh, again, that 55% of their crop insurance guarantee. So, you know, it, it's a much different calculation when you're doing 55% of 200 bushels times $4 instead of 55% of your 85% guarantee. Um, so that starts to reduce things a little bit. Um, secondly, um, when we start looking at um, unit structure, so you have enterprise units and a lot of growers are using enterprise units to make their uh, crop insurance costs uh, less expensive. And the enterprise units are based on a structure of 20 acres or 20% uh, in two sections. So in that case, um, you could run into a situation where you think that you still have enterprise units and suddenly you find out you don't have enough acres planted uh, because these are based on planted acres. So in a case of, um, let's say that the insured plants 15 acres and then reports 40 acres as prevent plant in section one. And in section two, the insured plants 45 acres and reports 100 acres as PP. Um, so the total insured acres at that point would be 200 acres times 20%. So we would need 40 acres in each of those, um, we need 40 acres in each of those sections to remain eligible. So, um, since, since the insurer didn't pay, didn't plant 20 acres in both sections, he doesn't meet the 20% of the, uh, of insured acres. And he doesn't qualify for enterprise units. So 
he would have to roll over to either basic units or optional units at that point. So i make sure I understand this right. So enterprise unit is 20 acres or 20% of a section, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then in order to have that to be eligible for, for a preventative plant situation, they have to plant at least 20%. And if they can't do that, then they don't qualify. Is that, am I misunderstanding that? That, that, that's correct. So they won't qualify for enterprise units. So it'll knock out their other, other acres, uh, their planted acres that would be insured as, as enterprise units into something like an optional unit, which could in cases be double the, the insurance cost. So their, their cost will, could increase because of this. So if you have a grower out there someplace that's just say farms, hypothetically 5,000 acres, just for easy math and 2,500 acres of it's underwater, and the other twenty five hundred acres is is uh, able to get the pl- to get the crop in on that twenty other twenty five hundred acres. That twenty five hundred acres is going to be more expensive to insure than it would be otherwise. It may be. It may be. It depends on if 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 he's got at least two sections that have uh, either twenty percent or twenty uh, percent of that uh, um, um, either twenty acres or twenty percent of uh, the total insured um, acres. So it, it depends on how those those 2,500 acres are, are structured, their unit structure is set up, which is important because if you've got areas that are, um, let's say smaller fields and those smaller fields um, don't meet the threshold, um, then, you know, then, then either it can be knocked out um, into optional units or um, you may not even be able to, to claim those acres because it again with, with prevent plant it's the same deal you've got to have either 20 acres or 20 percent of the unit um, that to be uh, prevented from planning for them to be eligible so it could knock them out of either either situation okay so just so i can clarify this in my head if i have a <clears throat> if i have 10 quarters right that i farm and every all 10 of those quarters are in a different section of ground right How's that? How's, yes. how, I mean, so the whole section's underwater, and except for ten percent of my of my one section that's in each one of those each one of those areas, you know. So I've got ten of them, seven of them are are I can't plant, but three of them I can, right? So basically, seventy percent of my plantable acres I I can't plant because they're flooded or whatever. Based on how their sections are set up, how does I mean? I guess I'm. How does that work? But those those th- other three sections. So I guess what I'm asking is if you had did all of my acres have to equal a section in order to, for that to work or how does that, I guess that's what I'm asking you is how, how does that, how does that work? So, so in that case, I think the way that you explained it to me, having those, having 70% of those acres, they were, if, if they're in, if those uh, other uh, that 30% of those acres are in multiple sections, uh, those planted acres, then that still leaves you eligible for, um, for your enterprise unit discount. Um, whereas the other, that 70%, again, as long as they're in at least two or more sections, then they would be eligible for um, the, the prevent planning as well. So there's really no way that Unless you just study this as a as a producer day in and day out, could you ever really understand what the hell you're doing? 
Well, I, I think it's a matter of, of, of just having good communication with your crop insurance agent. Um, like I said, I've been on the phone with most of my growers um, um, for the last couple of weeks and, uh, and letting them know what the options are and giving them some insight into what goes on. Um, and, and then as we get closer to this final plant day, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have some face-to-face visits with, uh, with some of my growers just to make sure that um, what they're planning to do um, it, you know, actually works and make sure that they're still eligible. You could literally think that you're doing the right thing and then it could be completely wrong because of some little nuance in some part of the rule someplace. Absolutely. Because you may, you may think that, especially if you're able to double crop beans, that you've, you filed your prevent plant claim on uh, June 6th and you think that you're home free to, to plant beans, uh, you know, June 15th or the, you know, the next, next chance you get the plant. And that's not true. So if you're going to go in, you know, the one, the, the rule about planning after is planning uh, uh, in, in our case would be um, June 25th. The, the last day of the uh, uh, late plant period for corn would be the first opportunity that you would have to plant beans. So if you planted before then, that would void your prevent plant claim on your, on your corn. So there's some of these, there's some producers out there that are going to have a really financial hardship about this whole thing because of just the rules that are preventing them to go back and, and plant another crop on the same ground they would probably plant the soybeans on anyway. Absolutely. And, and I, I think making assumptions that you know the rules and that you are following the rules, um, that is dangerous because uh, that's where I would make sure to, again, stay in contact with your agent, make sure that agent's talking to uh, a, a, a company adjuster to make sure everybody's on the same page. Because um, I've had questions, uh, you know, in multiple scenarios of, well, what if I only had uh, 10 acres? That I was going to the clean prevent plan on. Um, can I do that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't meet that threshold of um, the twenty acres or twenty percent. And and so then you know growers would continue to ask, uh, well, how can I make make sure this is eligible? And and so that's the key is making sure that um, you're one um, following the rules. Two, um, that you're keeping um, documentation to document, uh, um, you know, your eligibility as well. Because, I, I, you know, the, I guess the, the end of the day, what I tell most growers is plant until you can't. Um, just mainly because um, you're going to be able to take advantage of any type of price rally on the corn side, which you're not eligible to take advantage of from a prevent plant standpoint. Um, you're more... Um, it, the rules are not clear as far as any of these the, uh, tariff payments yet, but um, it, it's likely that they're not going to be paid on prevented acres. Um, so you're more eligible for those uh, for those payments as well. And so, um, and, and and quite frankly, um, I I think that the growers, as long as they are utilizing the insurance tools, util- utilizing their marketing tools. Um, they are going to be in better a better financial situation. Um, even if the crop doesn't look pretty, as long as it's planted, um, you can then look at uh, um, harvest claim from that point, and that harvest claim will will uh, take the higher of the, the, the spring price or harvest price. And in this case on corn, it looks like the great potential 
because of all these prevented acres that are out there that the harvest price will end up being the, the higher of the two maybe by a good good amount wow there's a lot more to this than i thought there was going to be so man this is a uh, this is good information um george and and i uh i appreciate you being on the podcast if uh if folks wanted to reach out to you and ask you some questions or you know maybe get some clarification on something or maybe you could help them point in the right direction what would be the best way for them to do that uh email would be the best uh it's uh, my first name george at big b-i-g crop.ag so bigcrop.ag all right george at bigcrop.ag right on man well george like i said i appreciate you being on here and you you opened my eyes to a whole bunch of stuff that i had no clue about so i appreciate that and i'm sure there's some folks out there listening to that now have more questions than they have answers so um well thanks for having me and anytime i can help answer some questions or if uh if i need to come on again and make uh, give some more more clarity to a really murky subject um you're welcome i'm I'm welcome to do so oh man yeah anytime you want to come back on make sure you just let me know you're always welcome so appreciate that george and uh take care of yourself all right thank you much thanks for listening to this edition of the moving iron podcast now part of the global ag network if you'd like to continue any of these conversations you can hit me up on facebook twitter or instagram at moving iron llc you can also send me an email at moving iron podcast at moving iron podcast.com You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving